Hi everybody, this is Jeffrey Short for Market Scale. Market Scale's latest series, Made in America, is now out on MarketScale.com. We are looking at manufacturing in the United States, and we're looking at some of the coolest companies that are manufacturing right here at home. To get a little bit more perspective on American manufacturing in the 21st century and in 2019, we are here to talk to John Briggs. He is the author of the book, Simply American. He studied this subject for many years. John, how are you today? Doing wonderful, Jeff. Thanks very much for uh, giving me a call. Uh, looking forward to talking with you. Absolutely. Well, can you first kind of just describe to our audience a little bit about your interest in American manufacturing and sort of your familiarity with this subject? Absolutely. So um, during the Great Recession, you may remember that, I, uh, a longtime friend of mine uh, lost his job. And uh, this fellow had moved between different careers. He was a professional person. But during the Great Recession, uh, there wasn't a lot of economic activity going on. So he started looking for new work, and it took him a long time to get a new job. If you can believe it, he went through 20 interviews before he was hired. And I would talk to him about how the process was going and how he was feeling about it. And it was really the first time, Jeff, I'd ever seen the long-term impact of being unemployed on somebody I knew. And it was, it was wrenching to see the kind of self-doubt he had, all these questions he had. He'd always worked hard, done all the right things, and he couldn't get a job. And it really it left a big impression on me. And uh, my friend's experience got me interested in the state of unemployment in our country and so I started looking around in that and what I quickly found out was that while lots of different industries were losing uh, jobs the manufacturing industry was particularly hard hit I found out between the year 2000 and the year 2009 more than 5 million US manufacturing jobs had simply vanished and I was shocked by this. I had no idea this had occurred. And I began to think of ways I might help to bring this tragedy to the attention of other, other Americans who might feel the same way about what, uh, what's, go what's going on with our manufacturing sector. Yeah, and then you wrote the book, Simply American. And I wanted to ask you why you decided to choose that uh, venue, I guess, to sort of explain this, uh, I don't want to call it a crisis necessarily, but maybe it is a crisis, um, this subject though. Um, so what did you hope to, I guess, achieve through your book? Well, two, two main things, Jeff. I wanted to let people know about how many Americans had lost their jobs in the manufacturing sector and why that had happened. But more than that, I also wanted to let Americans know what they personally could do to help strengthen our economy while at the same time helping their American brothers and sisters get and keep jobs in the manu manufacturing sector. Those are the two reasons I wrote Simply American. Mm -hmm. And when did this really become an issue, the manufacturing jobs leaving? How recent is this? Uh, fairly recent. Uh, prior to the end of the Second World War, made in America wasn't something that most Americans even considered for the simple fact that most of the stuff they bought uh, on a daily basis was made by Americans for Americans. 
However, uh, after the Second World War, with the introduction of the General Agreement on Tariffs and Tra Tariffs and Trade, that was a multilateral agreement uh, finished in uh, executed in 1947. It sort of ushered in a new era of lower tariffs between uh, trading partners, and it spurred a huge import of low technology products into the US. For example, the value of foreign clothing and shoes imported into the US between 1960 and 1973, it uh, increased 500%. So Americans for the first time in the 70s, uh, 60s and 70s, were able to buy products that were made in Honduras or other places, very low wage places. Um, but despite this uh, impetus to lower tariffs, as late as the 1960s, 95% of the clothes sold in the U.S. were still made in the U.S. And uh, we have a very, very different situation. As of uh, 2018, 95% of, of the apparel that Americans buy and 98% of the shoes are made overseas. Yeah, it's pretty incredible. It's a pretty stark turnaround, obviously. And I, I know China has been in the news for seemingly the last couple of years now. But I mean, historically, when people talk about jobs leaving, China comes up. So why did China become the biggest beneficiary, I guess, of uh, manufacturing leaving? It's a it's a fascinating story. And um, I have an entire chapter in the book on it. So I will try to I'll try to hit the high points. Uh, as everybody, most American knows, uh, China, with the, the uh, ascension of Mao Zedong, became a communist uh, country, just like the Soviet Union was. Uh, however, uh, as a result of that, China had virtually no presence on the international manufacturing uh, scene. But that all changed with the ascension of Deng Xiaoping, who became the head of the China's Communist Party in the 1980s. And completely in opposition to Mao, uh, Deng thought we have to get uh, the Chinese economy involved with the economies of the West. And so what in effect they did was they opened up the Chinese economy and Chinese enterprises to direct foreign investment from foreign manufacturing uh, firms. The what Deng did first was in the 1980s, he opened up four special economic zones on the coast of China. By 2010, there were more than 150 special economic zones. These were areas where foreign companies, Dutch companies, American companies, German companies, English companies could come over, utilize the Chinese workforce. Uh, import raw materials without duties, export finished materials without duties. It was truly for a company, a multinational company that was looking for a labor base that had labor rates, which were probably one tenth of the labor, uh, labor rates in Western Europe or in America. And so the Chinese just opened their their entire country up to that. Um, there's a quote in the book 
It says, rather than creating a production system of its own, China set itself up to become a a cog in an already extant, albeit rapidly changing, global system managed and controlled by others. So I think so far we've honestly kind of painted a bit of a a darker, grim picture of American manufacturing. And I know having spoken to you on the phone last week, we are both, you know, celebrating positive stories here in American manufacturing, both with our series and your book. So if you are an American um, consumer out there today, what is a bit of advice you might give someone who's hoping to maybe support American manufacturing, um, whether it's buying something or investing? Well, the, the great news is, Jeff, even though, uh, you know, I'm, like I say, uh, a lot of dire information I just told you is the good news is there's still enormous numbers of American consumer good manufacturing companies in this country that offer high quality goods at what I consider, if you look at it the right way, a very reasonable price. So you can, Americans can actually have directly an impact on this issue by what I do and what I've done for a long time is uh, I uh, basically have a principle that I'll buy American products unless I have a compelling reason not to do so. So, for example, uh, I, I love uh, watching soccer matches and I love soccer teams. So I have a lot of uh, soccer jerseys that I wear around for fun on the weekend. None of those jerseys are made in the U.S. because they're simply, you know, they're all made abroad. And I don't beat myself up that if I want to buy a jersey, I'll buy it because even if it's made somewhere else. But for things that there are American options for, I almost invariably buy those. I can I can buy I can find you probably five companies, Jeff, where you can buy U.S. made jeans with U.S. cotton for less than forty dollars. Mm-hmm. I can buy, well, of course, there are millions of different uh, car manufacturers that still make uh, uh, wonderful cars in the United States, trucks in the United States. And I'd point out that a lot of those manufacturers um, aren't traditional American car companies. Uh, But from my perspective, even if it's a foreign country, for example, uh, Toyota, uh, if they're employing American workers, then I look at them as, well, they're an American company for that purpose. Toyota operates 10 auto plants in the U.S. and uh, directly employs nearly 40,000 American workers at their plants. Uh, So cars and trucks are a great place to start. Uh, Products for the home, there are just any appliance, virtually any major appliance that you want to buy. You can find a great Uh, You can find a great option like Sub-Zero, General Electric, Whirlpool, Maytag, all of those appliances. Those are all American-made. And uh, so there's no shortage of opportunities to support American manufacturing by by buying American-made products. And the beauty of that is it's totally up to you. You can buy a little, you can buy a lot. But even a little, I mean, the estimates that I've heard before is if every American bought um, $100 worth of American-made products in a year, that might, uh, that might create as many as 60,000 um, American manufacturing jobs. So there would be a direct, direct 
tie between changing your behavior a little and being able to support our American brothers and sisters who would love to work in the manufacturing industries and their manufacturing industries across our country in virtually every state. Right. And it's good to see that there are still a lot of options and a lot of companies investing here. And I know you did just list off uh, a number of companies that are manufacturing here, but did you have um, a particular success story or whether it's something from your book or just a company that you know that has uh, continued to build here? And I wondered if you had anything uh, or any examples that you might share. Sure. So in the book, uh, Simply American, I have a chapter seven chapters on different firms uh, making wonderful consumer products in the U.S. I visited five of them. I did a big Midwest trip a few years ago and had an absolute blast. I've got a wonderful story about uh, Homer Lachlan, if you've got a minute for uh, me to tell it to you, Jeff. Yeah, sure. Go ahead. All right. So I was uh, getting in touch when I was doing the research for the book, and I called Homer Lachlan. I wanted to speak to some of their workers, and they put me in uh, put me in contact with a woman who'd worked there, been working there for 36 years, I think. Uh, Carol was her name, and I interviewed Carol and was trying to figure out why she was working at Homer Lachlan. And she told me some of her two of her aunts had worked there, and her mom had worked there over the Christmas holidays when they hire more people since they uh, they have to do sell so much stuff for the Christmas season. And so she decided uh, that she wanted to work there. So the week after high school, she decided to march on down to Homer Lachlan headquarters and put in a resume. So she told me about that. And I said, oh, okay. So then uh, you started, uh, when did you start? The next week or the week after that? And she said, no, it didn't turn out that way. They were hiring when I came in that week. And I said, okay, well, what, you know, you're, you've been working there for 36 years. What did, uh, what did you do next? And she said, well, I went in the next week and I put in an application. And I said, wow, okay, so that's when it all started, huh? And she said, no. And I'm sort of scratching my head at this point. And I said, well, Carol, how did you eventually get a job at Homer Lachlan? And it was amazing, Jeff, just matter-of-factly as if she was describing what she was having for dinner next t- tonight or tomorrow night. She said, well, I just went in and I put in an application every week for a year. And I, I heard that. And even telling that story for me gives me goosebumps. I think, what, what is a classic American virtue, truly an American virtue? Perseverance. And here is a person who exhibited that she was not going to take no for an answer. She wanted to have a career at Homer Lachlan. And so she went in every week for an entire year, and they eventually hired her. And lo and behold, She's been working there for 36 years. So those are the kind of stories that you hear, Jeff, when you talk to people in the manufacturing uh, sector. And I I just I love hearing stories like that. They just bring a smile to my face. Absolutely. Well, uh, if anyone wants to read more stories like this, you can pick up Simply American by John Briggs. John, uh, that was awesome perspective. And uh, anyone who's also interested in more manufacturing stories can watch Made in America, the new series here on Market Scale. So, John, thanks again. I'm sure we'll be catching up again soon to talk more about where this industry is going. So I uh, appreciate your time and uh, thanks again for joining us. It's my great pleasure, Jeff. Thank you very much for uh, taking the time to speak with me. Anytime. You.